Ladies and gents, welcome to Next Level Radio. I am your host, Colby Wartman, and our mission is to tackle the biggest questions in strength and conditioning, business, investing, and everything in between. We bring to you the best people in every sector so that you, the listener, can benefit and learn from the best in the biz. Whether that is S&C or business, you can rest assured you're getting the best knowledge available. Next Level Radio continues to grow because of our listeners and our sponsors. Today, we present to you Fat Fish Brewing, the official beer of Next Level Radio. Whether you're looking for a night out with family or smashing the best craft beer in the area, you'll find it all at Fat Fish. Check out Fat Fish Brewing on Villard Street in Dickinson or check out their website at www.fatfishbrewing.com. Our next sponsor, Nutridyne, a medical supplement company aimed at enhancing performance and addressing the underlying issues of disease. You will be hard-pressed to find the quality that you'll find at Nutridyne. Listeners of this podcast get 20% off all supplements. Just go to at coach underscore Wartman and click the Nutridyne link in our bio. Keep up with us on Instagram at coach underscore Wartman on our website, nl-training.com or keep up with us on the next episode of Next Level Radio. Now sit back, relax, and take in the mind-melting knowledge of this episode. Welcome, peeps, to Next Level Radio. The last few weeks, we've been able to have some repeat offenders for the podcast, and now we are on the up and up and on the new, new here. So you guys know that we're our, our overall mission is to try to bring, at the roots, we were bringing the strength coaches the best of the best, everything that we could from every sector, whether that's adventure or if that's finance. And today... Um, we have Chris Hanna, who we are just meeting for the first time here, and it's uh, it, it's great to see you, great to put a name to a face, and we're really going to just dive into what this conversation holds from the experiences that we both have, and we've both been able to acquire vast, very, both ends of the spectrum experience, and it's an interesting combination as we go forth, so I'm going to have Chris introduce himself, and we will take this dance where it takes us. Hey, Coley. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. Um, my name's Chris. I'm a financial coach, former professional blackjack player. And uh, that's really where my story uh, kind of begins. Outside of just graduating college, I had the opportunity to take a regular job on Wall Street or go play blackjack because I had been already counting cards for the prior six months to graduation. And um, to my parents' disappointment, utter disappointment. <laughs> I ended up turning down that job, decided I wanted to go play blackjack. I probably could have done both, but I really just felt in my heart, like if I can pursue entrepreneurship and even more specifically learning how to make money on my own, then um, that's really the best path for me. So that's how I got started. Uh, many years later, I got involved in different gig jobs. I was working with a financial literacy organization for some time, teaching kids about money and finance. And, um, then one day just decided, you know what, I really want to work with adults. I had a, a background in, um, jujitsu, which is the, you know, grappling form of mixed martial arts. And my coach at the time was a UFC fighter. I had been a fan of the UFC for ages. So I said, you know, I want to be a financial coach, but I want to start working with UFC fighters first. So that's, um, that's what I did. I, I recognized that they were really only fighting and getting paid two or three times a year. And that if I was, you know, going to work with any particular group of people, they would be a great one, both because of their need for help managing their money and also for my interest just in, in what they were doing. Um, and then, you know, as of today, now I'm, you know, I've expanded out to more folks and really anyone who's ambitious, wants to live a life of freedom, doing work that they enjoy. Uh, if you want help sort of managing your money and, and your finances, uh, that's what I'm here for. That's awesome, dude. And you don't hear... I don't hear very frequently, um, as we talked about being from North Dakota, Wyoming, this area, but you don't hear very frequently the success stories or the pursuit of being a professional blackjack player. And for a lot of people, it's leisure. For you, it was life. And I, I kind of want to just speak to the lifestyle a little bit because 
all encompassing of what people would call gambling. And you would argue on the other side of that, um, is, is a lifestyle of later nights doing these different things because people think of it as enjoyment. And so I kind of want you to speak to that lifestyle a little bit and really what got you that spark for specifically blackjack. Yeah. And it's funny because I'm shaking my head as you say enjoyment because, you know, <laughs> when you do anything long enough, it becomes just, especially when it's mentally taxing, it just becomes, you know, a, a work, you know, a job like anything else. Um, how I got into that? Well, I just from a young age, I've always wanted my independence and, uh, you know, just, just have yearned for that freedom. And when the time came to make my first sort of real decision on my own, I know it sounds kind of crazy, but I felt like I had to go to college. It was just something I had to do. So, um, you know, when that time came, I was thinking about what, what do I want to do? And I had seen the movie 21, this card counting movie back when I was in high school. And that, uh, it was funny because I, I, even then, like I recognized, oh, this is just Hollywood or whatever, but it, it introduced me to this idea that you could count cards and beat the casino statistically, like not some, you know, uh, Jason Bourne style stuff, like, no, 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 you can actually use your head and, and beat the casino. Um, so I just, that sort of sat with me for many years. And by the time I was actually able to gamble, I was a senior in college and started practicing. And it just, as it happened, my roommate, who had been a good buddy of mine, uh, you know, he was a numbers guy as well. And I, he very much was ambitious in a similar sense. So I asked him if he had any interest in learning how to count cards uh, and play blackjack professionally. Those two are definitely different things. Um, and he said, yeah, so we actually, we're just naturally competitive as well. And so as you know, we're learning this stuff, I'm trying to be faster than he is at certain things and memorize the plays quicker. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I got into it. And then again, you know, once we put a bankroll together and saw with our own eyes that we could actually do it, you know, we could actually execute on it. That's when the ball really started to, to, you know, get into motion. Mm -hmm. When you, a lot of times I've, I've checked out some of your social and I've checked out your, your TikTok and stuff. And there's, there's always with any type of, um, investing, there's always risk and reward, as you know. And as you progressed through, was there negative experiences, um, you've talked about a few different experiences about being kicked out of casinos and different aspects of that. Like lead us through that. How, how, how do you navigate through that? And are you continuing to do that today or is it more of a, just on your own kind of side gig? Yeah. So in terms of navigating through it, um, there's kind of two major aspects that we had to navigate through. The one is the, like actually playing and trying not to get caught because again, it's not illegal, but casinos will kick you out in a heartbeat if mm. they catch you or they think that you are. So that's one aspect. And then as it happens, um, it's, it's, uh, it's bittersweet the first time or two that it happens. Cause it's sort of a validation that you're actually doing something well enough, um, that casinos feel the need to ask you to stop playing. But after, you know, those initial handful of times, it's like, Oh damn, this is one less casino that I can actually play at. So, um, you just got to keep an open mind to where you can play, uh, making sure that, you know, if you want to, like if, if you're in Vegas and you want to hit up a bunch of casinos on the strip, well, the, uh, dealers and shifts, uh, you know, pit bosses and all, they switch on their shifts. So you can actually return to the same casino two or three times a day if you mm -hmm. space it out the right way. So those are some of the things that we had to think about, um, in addition to our style of play, like my blackjack partner and I, so, um, as long as one of us wasn't just absolutely staring at that th the, the cards the whole time, um, you know, if we could use each other to play off of our bets, we had a much better chance of not getting caught. And then the other sort of thing that we had to deal with was the emotional aspect of the swings in winning and losing hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars in a span of minutes or hours. And uh, particularly because we were relying, that as a source of, relying on that as a source of income. Today, I'm not really playing at all. Um, I just have moved on to, to different things. But for sure, when you, it, it's, it's one thing to sort of see the numbers on a computer screen and be like, oh, if I play this many hands and bet this much money, I should end up with this much over the long run. Like there's going to be some swing. It's a completely another thing when you walk into a casino with, you know, a couple thousand dollars and you walk out with nothing. Mm -hmm. Or when you walk in with a couple thousand and now it's double, then you've got to like 
maintain that calm and remember, you know what, I can't really spend any of this because I'm going to hit downswings. I need to keep this in a bankroll. So there's that emotional aspect that we had to deal with as well. Yeah. For somebody, and I'm asking this question for listeners and myself, um, I, my, my full experience of blackjack is going on speaking tours and going with coaches and playing blackjack at these different casinos, Deadwood, Vegas, hmm. X, Y, and Z. So for, for the person that knows nothing, for the person that has never counted cards or maybe has the experience that I do in blackjack, explain to us the process. And I know this could be a whole podcast in itself, but explain to us the process of counting cards. Yeah. The basic idea is, uh, is that in blackjack, the house edge starts very close to zero. So a house edge is the average amount that the casino wins for every dollar that is wagered. Every game in the casino has one. So if you just forget about the rules and the nature that blackjack even deals with cards at all, just we start with this idea that if you can play with a positive edge, that means that, like, let's say it's a 1% positive edge. For every $100 that you wager, in the long run, you're going to win about $1. And if you bet $1,000, it's going to be 10 and so on and so forth. Um, so that's, that's where you start. Now, with blackjack, the edge starts negative, as it would be with any game in the casino. The house is always going to win by that nature. So uh, the edge in blackjack starts at negative about half a percent. But as the cards are dealt, um, the, the game is a, like a dependent trial game. So in other words, roulette, every spin of the wheel is independent. Like every throw of the die in craps is independent. It makes no difference what happened on the last you know, throw or whatever. In blackjack, the cards that come out affect the next cards that mm. are, are going to come out. And so uh, based on that, the edge actually varies and it goes from positive to negative and positive to negative throughout the game. When you can count cards, you can, uh, and, and there is an basically exact, uh, like, like the count is what determines how the edge changes. So if you can know the proportion of high and low cards in the, in the shoe, we call it, and in the rest of the deck, at any given time, you can know the edge. You can know specifically when it's positive and bet more. You can know when it's negative and bet less. And that's the basic nature of it. Yeah. I, uh, I've never got into that again. So it was all, uh, all for entertainment. And how early on, or I guess now that you don't do it anymore, how successful were you able to be? We were, I would say, highly successful at the casinos. So we had, I mean, I, within six months, we had already, I think, probably increased our bankroll by about 50%, which was pretty solid. Um, the, uh, and over time, though, we were, we were running into trouble because we were relying that as a source of income. Like, we were drawing from it in the same way that you would draw from your stock market, you know, account. And we just didn't quite account for such high variation um, and, and such wild swings. And we really got hurt when we would hit a downswing and then have to, you know, pay for major expenses like our rent, our food. We, um, it just so happened that both of our cars you know, were, we were both kind of driving clunkers by the end of college. And both of our cars broke down within, I think like a matter of weeks of actually signing an apartment lease, all based on blackjack income. Yikes. And so now we're like, well, damn, you know, we don't, we need a car and like, we've got to pull from our bankroll for that. So, uh, we, we just were way too tight in our estimation for how we thought we could actually survive on blackjack money alone. So inside the casino, as far as the numbers and everything were concerned, we played well, we played real well together. Uh, we just, you know, over time didn't have enough money to really support ourselves. And so we had to, um, find different ways to, to do that. Yeah. I'm also interested as, as you're, as your, uh, your life cycle kind of continues and where you're, where you're ending up now. And my, my spectrum, my journey has gone from athlete to coach to, um, retail investor and really educating the masses. But I had to start from ground zero. I came from very, very middle-class family, um, it was get a scholarship or you're not going to college. Like, yeah, we want you to, but we can't afford that. And so I was able to do that and get scholarships and do all that stuff. But my, my, let's just call it your financial literacy was very low. 
And from, from the sounds of it, you had been exposed to that. You had been to at least some extent, you had been exposed to that. You were looking at finance in college and now you've kind of transpired into a mentor for people that quite possibly are so focused. So one sole focus of being in the octagon that, um, their money comes second. And you brought up a very good point that they're only getting paid twice a year, three times a year, if they're lucky. And so how, as you, as you've, as you've gone down this path, your, your experience kind of talk to that a little bit, like you've gone from one gig job to another and then ended up where you're at today. So kind of walk us through that path. Yeah, there was this sort of aha moment, um, or, uh, I, I hesitate to call it like a um, rock bottom moment. It wasn't quite that, but like I had been, so I'd done a bunch of different gig work. I, and I was teaching these financial literacy classes to um, after school classes to kids in grades K through 12 throughout the DMV, the DC, Maryland, Virginia region. And um, I got more involved in that company uh, leading the operations. We were in, you know, by the time I left it, I think we were in, hundreds of schools had, you know, well over a hundred instructors teaching all these classes. So that was great. I was getting paid from that. And within about a year or two, at some point during that time, I was just like, damn, I, I, I don't really know what to do with my money. I, I don't know where my money has gone. Um, and I started to try, like I, I've tried different budgets. I tried to track my expenses and all still felt fuzzy. And so my moment is, again, it's, it's not so much rock bottom as it is just like, what does that mean for everyone else? Like here I am with a background in finance and economics. I've interned uh, for a couple of different summers at, at a multi-billion dollar hedge fund. They sent us to train all over Wall Street during one of those summers. Um, and I'm, I've been studying the stock market since I was 18, with a close buddy of mine, like all of this sort of more corporate finance investment knowledge nothing to do with personal finance. Mm. And that was my moment where I, I said, I, I've really got to learn more about this for myself. So over the next couple of years, I just really dove deep into personal finance and recognized that, wow, this really is not, it, it's not taught in school. It's not taught in college with a finance degree. Like when are you supposed to learn this? Um, you know, spoiler, it's, it's, it's never by someone else. You've really got to take the initiative and learn it on your own. Um, so once I had built this like really helpful money management system for myself. So I, I learned that if I could utilize multiple bank accounts, if I could distribute my income and track those distributions. Um, and as long as I only used each bank account for its intended purpose, like I could proactively manage my money and always know where it was going mm -hmm. as opposed to what most people do when they get frustrated and they don't know where their money is going, they start tracking their expenses. And that's fine in the short term in the same way that, you know, if, if someone's unhappy with, um, you know, with, uh, you know, their diet or maybe they're, they're uh, you know, getting stomach aches all the time. Like, okay, cool. Track every single thing that you eat, the time and all of that. Fine. But you're not going to do that for the rest of your life. It's just you're eating constantly all the time. So many things like when you're at a restaurant, there's so many different variables um, and, and it's, it's similar for tracking expenses. And so as I had tried some different things and eventually learned that, okay, there are far more proactive and just smarter ways to manage your money than is being taught. Uh, even in, in, in some of the best books out right now, I recognize that there was a need to help others. And so that's when I uh, started reaching out to some other folks and, and started helping them do the same friends, family, and, and UFC fighters. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's, uh, it's very uh, depressing that these things that are being taught, we're, we're, we're really focusing on the core curriculum, your math, science, and social studies, and we're really focusing on these different aspects that really don't elevate our lives to the extent that having a decent or above average knowledge on um, financial literacy could do. And it took me uh, probably until I was late, eh, mid, early 20s. And before I could even have a grasp of thinking of just the whole aspect of compounding your money and really putting it in and the whole, the whole real perspective change came right when I looked at the banks as a business and really looking at banking as a business because people think, um, and they've been taught, 
uh, that you you get your large sum of money, you put it in the bank, and you get your 0.00 whatever uh, interest rate. And then if you look on the backside, there's always some reason to that. And what is the bank doing with that money? And the bank is charging a stiffer interest rate off of your money. And with fractional reserve banking, only 10% of that dollar bill has to be in there. And so when we're really thinking about it from a very 1,000 foot view, it's very broken and the middle class is very broken and there's a reason why we all stay there. And uh, again, all there's all these rewards and risks um, associated, but they far outweigh. And you, and you hear about the very successful um, businessmen or women and investors. And they say, yes, you're going to be wrong or you're going to lose a few hands of blackjack. But when you do hit it, that's, that's what the difference is because nobody wants to take that leap. And I'm sure you've seen it with both UFC fighters and any of your clientele. It's that initial leap to analyze what they're doing for budget or put money aside to invest. And it's that, it's that perspective switch. Like once it happened, it was great for me, but it was up until that point where I was just like, man, this is, this is risky and I, it's not fitting into my budget. And so with your clients, has there been that, uh, that, that pivot point at a lot of times with the people that you're trying to help? Yeah. And it's funny because early, early on, I started with like, just, um, almost like the logic of, you should be putting your money here and here or, you know, use this system to do this and that, um, like the practical side of it. And it took me a while to recognize that until we addressed the, and, and I'm, I'm no like psychologist, any of that, like far, far be it for me to claim any of that, but there is even a, just a tiny aspect of mindset that changes everything. Uh, because I would, I would say, you know, you should really be paying down your debt because it's, it's costing you high interest every single month. And like, yeah, my, you know, blah, blah, all, all these different things, not necessarily just with clients, but with friends, whoever it might've been. Um, and here I am thinking like, how could you possibly do anything else with your money when you get it, than pay down your debt, start putting an emergency fund together, start investing it and get your money working for you. And, uh, I, I recognize that one, if you don't really understand what you can do with your money and you don't understand what your money can do for you, like you, you will forever mismanage it. But here, like you said, Colby, when you had this realization that uh, really just what compound interest was, that if you could just leave your money in something that grows and you just don't touch it for years and years and years, eventually it's going to be worth way more, way more. The longer you leave it, the more it's going to be. And so just, um, Tapping into some of those aspects uh, with my clients is oftentimes what helps them self-motivate. Because mm. I can sit here and come up with a plan and say you should do this or shouldn't do that, but um, you know, after my after like three or four calls with a client, I, I start asking, okay, what do you want to do with this money? And and you know, when they receive it, and I'll you know share my two cents based on what they say. But um, yeah, w w once you have a different perspective, you start to think about it differently, and that's as a coach, as a financial coach, that's what I want more than maybe what a, I don't know, financial planner or advisor, they might just give a recommendation. And, and, and whereas I'm really trying to teach, I want to make them, you know, self-sufficient and, and self-motivated. Yeah. I, and again, we did this podcast to just help educate um, others out there, but I'm also very, very interested. And uh, I want, so from square one, and I know there, this is such an open-ended question, but from square one, what are you attacking? What are these habits that you need to attack for people so that they can actually have the perspective switch and possibly elevate their life? So starting with the fact that you more than likely want to be somewhere greater in your life than where you are today. And a lot of us have a vague understanding of where we want to be. Um, you know, speaking to a listener directly right now, you, you may have an idea that you want to make more money or you want to live a different lifestyle or you want to work a more fulfilling job. Um, get some clarity on that just, just for starters. Then get some clarity on where you are today. Um, this is your classic, like if you're, you've got to know where you are and where you're trying to go before you can map out a plan. So uh, step one, just doesn't have to be so detailed. Like you don't need to have an exact dollar figure um, for you know, every year of your life or anything like that, but get, get a more specific idea of what your goals actually are. Next step, 
uh, map out where you are currently, you know, figure out where you are today. And that, um, to be very specific and actionable, means you need to have four key aspects. You need to have your assets written down. So what they are and the value of each one. An asset is really, in a conventional definition, anything that you own that you could, you know, if you really had to, you could sell and, and turn into some cash. Your liabilities, so anything that you owe, your debts, loans, credit cards, anything that you owe money to is a debt. You need to write down what that debt is, how much you owe, how much the minimum payment is, and how much the interest rate is. Then you've got to write down your expenses, which I like to break down into three primary categories. You don't need to list out, you know, a hundred different categories, just all of your fixed and recurring expenses. I don't care if they're subscriptions, if it's um, a, a loan payments, like anything that's coming out of your account on a monthly basis in the same amount, write that down. That's one category. Next one is your sort of, people call it variable expenses, but this is just like about how much you need on a monthly basis for uh, food, gas, uh, anything you're paying for on a semi-consistent basis. Toiletries, if you got to buy, you know, uh, uh, paper towels or, or dish soap, whatever it is, about how much do you need? Rough estimate. And the third expense category is roughly how much do you need to have a little bit of fun every single month? And that could be a little bit of money to go out, to uh, see a movie, to buy a concert ticket, whatever it might be. Those are your three categories of expenses. And then your income. If you are making a biweekly standard salary, write that down. I make this much um, on you know twice a month. If it's uh, more variable because you're doing gig work or maybe you're um, an hourly worker, write down about how much you make on a weekly or monthly basis. That's your financial foundation. And um, that's really where you need to begin. Yeah. I, and I'm sure you've, you've done something similar to this, but something that really helped me personally and my wife, um, my wife is a labor and delivery nurse, absolutely loves what she does and, uh, has, has done it for a long time and still consistently has joy from it. So we can't ever complain about that. And I asked her at the start of 2020 going, or excuse me, the end of 2020 going into 2021. And I asked her a simple question and I was reading and I said, what does um, your absolute perfect day look like? What does yours look like? Because yours and I have to blend. They have to blend if we're going to make this work and they have to have some sort of similarities with what we want on the outside. And so she, she mapped this out and then I kind of mapped mine out. We wrote them down instead of just talking about it. We wrote it down. And from there, um, my strength and conditioning background, uh, my, my cup of tea, as you could say, is what we call reverse engineering. And really, if an athlete has a goal, we have a goal that we need to be faster, okay? We have to have that end goal because from there, I'm going to reverse engineer every single movement that we do can be tied to that end goal. So you ask me, Colby, why are we doing reverse lunges on doing X, Y, and Z? It's because you want this and this is how it's tied together. And so finances have a way of doing that as well. So your perfect day is a cabin in the mountains. Your kids are graduated, so you're drinking a cup of coffee, X, Y, and Z. Okay, how do we get that cabin in the mountains? Well, maybe first we need to get our first rental property. Maybe first we need to do these things to get to that end goal. And so that the whole the whole encompassing uh, solution of reverse engineering can be applicable to so many different spots. And I, I, I just really love the fact that we can, with work, find that perfect day and go towards it. There's going to be hiccups. There's going to be lost uh, money, but we can get there. Yeah. And I love that question. I've got to ask myself that question and my girlfriend that question. We're going to have to uh, it's really cool. write it down and find it's yeah, really cool. Yeah, I love that idea. And you're totally right. I mean, no matter what you want to accomplish, um, if you, yeah, if you don't have a clear idea in mind about what that actually look like, uh, looks like, then it's difficult to determine what steps you should take. I mean, you can have a general idea, like you know, if you exercise more and eat less, yeah, you're probably going to lose weight. I, I'm probably way oversimplifying <laughs> this, but um, you know, and, and so you could probably get somewhere with those habits. But without knowing the, you know, the minutia, like the, the specifics of what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. I can't see how you would never know if you hit it when no. you hit it, you know, ever. Yeah. It's almost like, uh, getting into liquid markets such as stocks. 
if you if you don't have a plan in mind on the back end, you will come sliding down the backside. Mm-hmm. And they always talk yeah. about that. We go in these market cycles, and unless you have a, and this is the day trader uh, experience that I had, unless you have a profit target, unless you have that in mind, you usually come sliding down. You know. Oh, I can see that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's it's a it's a vast, vast, uh, sector there, that day trading side. Um, so from there, I, uh, I've answered, I, I've kind of got my ins and outs. That's what I was just calling them. what's coming in, what's going out. And then from there, how, how do you guide people? What, what, what sets Chris Hanna apart when you're really trying to help these people financially and maybe specifically with UFC fighters? I break down managing money into these three core actions. It took me way too long to sort of, cause I view them as principles now. And it took me way too long to figure out like, why do regular budgets not work? Is it because you're not disciplined enough? Is it because you need a better tracking system? Like, you know, and, and to what end are the problems that you're facing you versus the systems that you're using to try and accomplish them. So, so habit number one or action number one is you've got to decide what to do with your money. Budgeting sometimes can be that, you know, a budget is a, a glorified plan. It's, it's not a decision or it can be, but it's, that's not really the principle there. The principle, at least in our generic terms, is decide what to do with your money. Like when money comes in, whether it's a paycheck, a sale from a, you know, from a client, no matter what it is, you have the opportunity before you spend a single cent of it to decide what to do with that money. If you have a, uh, a similar income over a couple, you know, if, if you have a similar biweekly or monthly income, then by all means um, decide the best breakdown for it and set up automatic transfers if you want to simplify things. But you've got to decide what to do with your money because it's, it's a resource that you work very hard for and it's limited, you know, certainly in each of our lives. Uh, even if you have a whole lot, it's still limited. There's still a finite amount of money there. The second thing is to ensure that you actually stick to those decisions. And this is where so many people fall short, not just in finance, but even I'm sure with um, uh, fitness goals, where you could have, you, you could give a client the best plan in the world. And if you don't have help them with a, a system and an accountability you know, plan or schedule, whatever it might be to actually carry that plan through, the plan is worthless. So what I found is, you know, people uh, with a traditional budget, I think it's actually important to just touch on why traditional budgets fail so often is because by definition, they almost require a single checking account and that you track your expenses. Because when you have a one primary spending account and all of your money comes out of there for all of your expenses, the only way that you can stick to a budget is by tracking every expense as it comes out categorizing that expense and then uh, totaling it and subtracting it from your original budgeted amount for that category. That's the only way during the first, second, third week of the month that you can look at your checking account and know how much you have left to spend on for any given category. The problem, like we talked about before, though, is tracking expenses is not a long-term solution. Like there are people that do it and if, if that's your you know, cup of tea, by all means, do it. Like if that's fun for you, cool. If you're talking about how to efficiently manage money and build wealth, it, that, that's not really what you need to be aiming for. People love the cash envelope system because it's proactive. Like you can put cash into different envelopes, only use each envelope for its intended purpose. And if you run out of money in one envelope, you need to pull from another one. And that, the, the, the beauty of that system uh, is lost in the, the age of you know, 2022 where we're just not using cash. Like it's, it's, it's such a hassle to have to go to the bank withdraw cash, you know, carry around a bunch of cash envelopes and loose change. You don't get paid in cash. You don't want to pay for stuff in cash. So, um, but, but the, the, the proactive nature of that we can take into and use with bank accounts. So there are more and more online banks popping up now where they're not having, you know, a bunch of hidden fees or minimum balance requirements. Like you can open up virtually as many bank accounts as you want when you find the right banks. You can use the, the, the beauty of the cash envelope design with your bank accounts. So when you get paid, let's say direct deposit, now you've got, instead of physical envelopes, you've got a couple different bank accounts that you can distribute money into, transfer money into. 
that is how you are ensuring that you stick to that decision. Because as long as you only use that debit card or that savings account, whatever it is for the, for its intended purpose, you're going to stick to your plan. Mm. So I know this is a little long winded, but uh, I want to, I would love to make this as actionable as possible. And that's really step your action number two. And then the third one is to track and organize your money in an efficient way. Because if you're not tracking expenses, you, well, you still want to know what's happening with your money. Like even if you're proactively putting it into these different accounts, that is good for like, you know, 75% of money management. It's, it's proactively deciding what to do with your money and making sure that you actually do those things. But you still work hard for your money and you still, after like a year or a month or even, you know, 10 years, you want to look back and be like, I have a general idea of where my money went. And the way that you can do that, as long as you're using this sort of um, bank account design system, you can just use, uh, you know, write down or, or record in a spreadsheet how much you're putting into each account when you're making those distributions. And that would be a cash flow tracker. Um, as long as you are writing down where every dollar is or, you know, where you're distributing money into, that's your, that's your tracking system. You don't need to track your expenses. Like if, if you put, you know, um, uh, if you put a thousand bucks into your fund money account a month, you you know you put a thousand dollars into your fund money account yeah. for the month. Like even if you don't spend all that, you don't need to know that you didn't spend all that. You just need to know this is how much I put there last month. I've got a little bit left over. Maybe I'll put a, bit, a little bit less in there next month, or maybe I went over it and I need to adjust, whatever it might be. But that's your tracking system. That's how you can actually look back and know where your money is going without tracking your expenses. Yeah. So what does a what does a basic um, again open multifactorial question? What does a basic strategic bank account system entail? Like, what does it look like? What are these different accounts um, for a Joe Blow? Just somebody out there. Yeah, you need three checking accounts. Period. You you really do. Okay. You need one for all of your fixed and recurring expenses. Uh, that's for like I said, your rent, utilities, your utilities. Even if it fluctuates a little bit, that that's fine. So it's rent, electric, Wi-Fi. You know your phone bill, all of your gym, Netflix, I don't care if it's needs or wants, everything that comes out on a consistent basis needs to come out of this one account, at least for starters. Your second make account is for your, uh, uh, we'll call it for your fun accounts so that you can actually have money to spend guilt-free. The way that you can do that is by putting money aside in in a separate account that you know you have available for fun stuff, for leisure purchases. If you don't have that, you will forever debate whether or not you should make a, if you're trying to be frugal and trying to build wealth and all that, you will forever debate whether or not you should make a fun purchase because you could be using it for, you know, your food or for rent or for whatever it might be. So uh, you've got fixed and recurring expenses, fun, and I call it miscellaneous needs or variable expenses needs. Or uh, for me, I I literally have it nicknamed my cushion account. It's what sort of keeps everything else in balance. I don't, I I put a, 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 um, a, Average amount in every month, I pay for my gas out of that account. You know, when I need to go pick up a new pair of shoes, I use it out of that account. If I actually need it, this is not like a splurge, you know. Um, you know, if, if I need an oil change, like it comes out of that account. This is it's just for your miscellaneous stuff. That's your basic checking account. And um, you could, in theory, have your direct deposit come into any one of those. Uh, for a long time, my direct deposit came into my cushion account, again, as I call it. And then I put money into recurring and I put money into fun. And mm. that, that, that's how you can get started you've pretty much digitized the envelope system to some extent. And a lot of people, uh, my background and everybody on this podcast knows, but I had, uh, I went to uh, rehab for a pain medication opiate addiction. And um, I found it's been over six years clean. And I, I found through this experience that I would not take anything away. All my experiences were great, but the, the, um, instant gratification of a envelope system or a strategic bank account system is very intriguing to people that have addiction psychology or addiction issues. And, uh, so like that I'm putting money here, this is what it's for. And it's very cut and dry allows you what you've, what you've created to digitize that and really, separate that. And then it gets a little bit more in depth with, with, with a, uh, a marriage, but you guys can have those together and employ that or push that money out into those separate accounts. I really like the thought. I really like that thought. Thanks. Yeah. It's, and, and 
you really just put the cherry on top when you track those distributions. And, and a cash flow tracker is nothing more than a sheet of paper that has your income at the top, your list of accounts along the left-hand side. When you receive money, you divvy up your income into those accounts, transfer money into those accounts, and boom, that, that's, your, that's your money management system. I, I used yeah. to manage my own money before I even started helping anyone in five, 10 minutes a month, you know, which is drastically different than trying to budget tediously into all these different categories, track every expense, categorize them. And like it's, it's, it's just so much easier and more efficient. And um, there are people that talk about this, but I'm like trying to shout. I'm trying to say like, you know, if you're talking about that, but you're also talking about 99 other things, um, like there are some great personal finance folks out there. And um, it, it, if you're, if you're talking about uh, too many things like that, aspect can get lost. And, and I'm trying to say, look, this is so important. You know, I, I don't need to, yes, I can talk about investing. I can talk about some of these other things, but hear me out. Like if you want to really master your personal finances, start by deciding what to do with your money, using a couple of strategic bank accounts and, and tracking for distributions. Yeah. It, it gets to the point where you, you feel more comfortable. And the, the honestly, the best thing that I, that I took from what you just said was a guilt-free fun account, which it makes a lot of sense because no matter what, if you have it in this overall checking, you're looking at this overall number. And as soon as you spend that, let's just say this person has one checking account for everything. As soon as you spend that, there's there there's these little voices in your head. There's these little thoughts like, oh, this could have gone to something else, X, Y, and Z. And I have a... Um, a leisure account. And uh, I actually just bought some ammo yesterday and I was just thinking about it. And even then I was like, ah, what could I do with this? But it, it, that system simplifies it and you're not having to take all this time to get cash in cash out. This goes to here and that's what it's spent. If there's extra, then you, you dissipate it somewhere you want, you know, like I, I really like that. And then once you've got this system, um, gets into two categories after that, that I break them down into is investing in yourself and investing in liquid markets, retail, uh, real estate, whatever you want to invest in. And so I think it's a very important tool and you have to look at it as this spectrum, as this whole life, this whole lifespan, because a lot of times people get caught up, they're 18, like, Hey, I want to, I want to put all this money away. I want to invest it right away, which is good. Awesome. But also, we need to invest in our tangible skill sets. We need to in t- invest in our psychology. We need to invest in us personally because in the end, that's what's going to be your revenue generating machine is going to be yourself. Yeah. And so is do you kind of go by the philosophy of, yes, you can still invest, but really invest in your tangible skills, make yourself marketable, find what you're passionate about, and then this other investing um, will come? Yes, very much so. Very much so. Uh, and I want to dive into that, but I also want to ask you um, what kind of gun you're shooting and uh, what, what ammo you bought it for. I'm a big gun guy. So I'm actually having, <laughs> I have a buddy that owed me a big favor. Um, long story short, I, he's a professional bullfighter. And I, I was listening to your last episode. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I sponsored him. And, uh, he's a, he builds custom rifles. And so, uh, he owed me a really good favor. So I got a really custom brand new rifle for very cheap. And so it's a new round. It's called a 300 PRC and PRC PRC stands for precision rifle caliber. And right now it's the recorded longest shot in the world. So it's a, it's a 30 caliber bullet, big old bullet, but instead of being like short and chubby, like a fire hydrant, it's really elongated. And they've pretty much in ballistics, you have to find this, this, this fine line, this fence where you want enough knockdown power, you want a big enough bullet, but if it's too short, the BC or the ballistic coefficient is lower, but if you get it longer, it can, it's more aerodynamic, but there's also the other end. If you go too long, once you have enough velocity, it starts to do this and it starts to tumble. Mm. So this 300 PRC is like the cream of the cop right now. I mean, 10 years down the road, whatever, but it's a really, really cool little round, man, that I, uh, that I've been really excited for. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really neat. I, I, I've 
I had no idea. I mean, that makes sense as you're talking about the ballistics, but yeah, it's, it's stuff it's, that I'm interested in, but I don't have near the knowledge that you have. Hey, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll collaborate on that. <laughs> that sounds good. Um, in, in terms of investing in yourself, 100%. So I think that this is becoming more and more sort of like accepted and discussed because we are uh, just continuing to evolve through this. How do I call it? Um, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, age, where the younger generations, you know, millennials and Gen Zs are like looking around and saying, we don't want to work the, you know, ridiculous hours and jobs uh, and, and without all this vacation, all these things. Like we don't want to do that. We, we ought to be able to uh, learn how to do something well and, you know, do it for good pay and, and, and all these things. And, and uh, also we're seeing that consumerism is not necessarily the, the best way to use your money. Like you, people, we're, we're looking and seeing, I think Tim Ferriss, I don't know if he coined the term or not, but the new rich, like people who are recognizing that actually your, your time and your ability to move around and be independent of one specific work location, like these things are important and these things are things that... Um, are, are more important than a new car, you know, or, or the, the next best iPhone or whatever it might be. Because of all that, yes, if you can set money aside, like I, I call it my wealth account, and that's what, you know, I've got for clients and if they want to name it something else, they can. But yeah, that's your investing in yourself account. And if you are not happy with where you are in your life today, you can use money to make extraordinary changes. And the way that you start is by setting money aside for the same reason that you set money aside in a separate account for fund purchases. Because when that money is separate, you can look at that sum of money in a bank account and say, oh, I've got $500, $1,000, to invest in myself. Now the creativity wheels start spinning where you start thinking, okay, do I invest in a course? Do I hire someone to help me uh, you know, get to where I want to be? Do I spend a couple hundred dollars just on books and immerse myself in this new skill or subject? Whereas when it's all in one account, your mind is not being exercised in that way. It's just like, yeah, uh, it, it, it's stuck in the traditional spend it on my needs, put it in a 401k, you know, whatever it might be. And there's a time and a place for that. But for sure, I'm a huge believer in, of investing in mm -hmm. yourself. I do. This just popped in my head, too. You, you pretty much addressed in this different system, and I'm sure you've thought about this, but you've addressed the underlying psychology and both of us are not doctors, but you've ad addressed the underlying psychology of looking at money as time. And be because there's this, there's this brain capital that gets caught up in paralysis by analysis of, Hey, I only need to buy my needs. And then we can look at the money past that. But you this system, and, and this is kudos to you. This system has really addressed the psychology of money is time. And people, people need to really think about that because when you loan out your money, that has a time value. That money could be making more money. And on the vice versa, if you're loaning out money, that money needs to pay interest because there's a time value attached. And so, man, I'm, I'm just jogging my brain as you're talking about this and this, your, your system does very well for that. It kind of breaks the middle-class mentality is what I've coined it on uh, a few different podcasts. Um, just saving, 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 but there's a, there's a fine line to walk between you have to spend money to make money, but there's strategic spending of money to make money is how I think about it. Uh, because if you can invest in a tangible skill or a class or a network, a lot of times it comes down to how can I invest in a people? And I had a realization on a podcast a few months ago, every single thing that every, every decision, every interaction, every dollar can be tied back to a, a relationship, uh, an introduction you know, you and I don't know what's going to come of you and I having this podcast, you know, but there is, there is a value to that. Um, there's a relationship built. There's a, um, I don't know. It's a, it just, I came to that realization. It all comes down to that, that person. It all comes down to people. If we can really intertwine ourselves with those great people, it's going to pay off in the end, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
we, we of course, you have no idea where, where this will go, or what will come of this. Um, and, and, and the same is true for anyone that you meet. Like, I remember I was driving. Um, so when I was doing a bunch of gig work, I was driving for Lyft and Uber. Mm-hmm. And this is at a time where uh, I was literally just taking any, I was looking for any work that I could find. Um, as it happened, a woman got into my car, into my Lyft. And as we're chit-chatting, she, you know, learned that I was teaching these financial literacy classes because I was doing that also at the same time. And she said, well, have you ever thought about tutoring? I said, uh, you know, I did a little bit here and there, but you know, I don't do it actively. She said, well, I, I own a business. It's called College Nannies and Tutors. And uh, we're looking oh. for a tutor for math, you know, whatever. And I'm like, okay, cool. I can do that. And um, then I learned that they also had like babysitting needs. I freaking love babies. Mm. I, I, I love kids and babies. Don't and, let your girlfriend hear um, that too loud. Oh, no, she knows. <laughs> Trust me, she knows. And so she's like, you know what? We're looking for a... Uh, a longer term placement. It was like a four month placement with a one and a half year old and a three and a half year old, two young boys that I could just horse around with. And, um, yeah, so, so that, that was the most random interaction. I had no idea that that was going to happen with this woman got into my car. Um, but for sure, uh, I mean, life is strange. I, I wanted to make one more point to your, um, to your point about time, because in addition to like spending money on, transactional stuff like a course or a book or mm-hmm. you know it could be even be um, you know a monthly admission so you can actually get access to a network you can also just have money set aside so you can take a break from the work that you don't like so that you can actually um, you know, take an internship and, and make mm-hmm. a career change or do something of that nature because I had been working with someone who uh, regular employee she really didn't like her job um, but she had been you know I've been helping her set money aside like Save, put this money aside because when the day comes that you just have, are fed up with it, you can take a little break. You can uh, both invest in yourself and just have money set aside in case you don't find a job immediately. Like that's your, you know, it's your active emergency fund. So yeah. rather than just, you know, if I get fired, having an emergency fund, no, no, an active, like when you want the day that you want to quit, have some money set aside so you can take that three, six, nine, or 12 month break from work and really buy that time back so that you can learn how to, you know, do something else that you're more fulfilled with. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, I like the active, the active emergency account. That makes a lot of sense. It's uh, cause we tend to think of that emergency account as the oh shit situation um, when it yes. can actually be a pivot point. It can actually really be a pivot point for, uh, for us. I like that a lot. Um, I, and you know what? I was on a podcast with, uh, I was talking sort of about that and they said, yeah, we call it our peace out fund. I just remembered that group called how to money. I was like, Oh, I like that. Cause that's, that's way more active than just like a fallback. Yeah. Yeah. So outside of investing in yourself, this is something I'm very interested in. Um, what does, and you don't have to give away exactly, but what does, uh, what does Chris's investment vehicles look like? Uh, financial investment vehicles. Yeah, it is uh boringly simple that's, so that's I, a good way. major portion yeah major portion is in myself at the moment because i'm i'm 28 years old 28 years young and i am you know just over the last couple of years building this business and yeah. you know, creating work for myself that i really enjoy you know for the first time in my life i'm finally like doing stuff that i i get excited to wake up in the morning and, and look forward to um, so a lot of it is investing myself. Like I hired a business coach a while back. She helped me get things going. Good. Um, courses, just different stuff, books, whatever it might be. Uh, and, and my time, of course, like that was huge. When I initially left my job, it took me a while before I got my first clients and, you know, I had some money set aside. So that was my piece out, out. that I had put aside for that. It's right. Um, the other thing is, uh, the S and P 500, like that's, that's just my bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when I was 18 years old, I bought my first stock, started learning about stocks. And I think I had 60 days of free commission, free trading on TD Ameritrade. So for folks listening who are like, well, what's a commission? Because Robinhood has now paved the way for commission, free trading. Well, you know, 10 years ago, it was $10 to buy and sell, to buy a uh, you know, number of shares of a stock and $10 if you wanted to sell it. Years before that, it was $20. And before that, it was $30. Nowadays, it's commission, free trading. But for me, when I initially signed up with my account, uh, it was 60 days of commission-free trading. Thereafter, it was going to be uh, the standard $10. And I just kind of, you know, I went in like anyone else. Oh, commission-free trading. I can buy and sell and trade anytime I want. Mm-hmm. That's what I tried to do. 
eventually through more study and talking to buddies and, and, and my experience at hedge funds and different investment banks, um, not to say that this is how they think per se, but just being in that space, I learned that, you know what, an index fund, even just one index fund, neither the S&P 500, the total U.S. market or a total world market uh, is the one of the easiest ways to get your money working for you. Mm-hmm. And it takes virtually no time at all. Um, all of that other time and energy that you're in focus that you're spending on that you would be spending on like trying to research and analyze stocks and companies. Um, it's all gone. You could just, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, maybe, maybe you want to do that and eke out like an extra percentage point. Maybe because most professional investors don't actually do that successfully over time. Uh, but you know, go live your life, like use that time to do something and, and learn a skill and, you know, pursue a passion, uh, uh, you know, go out with your friends more, like whatever it might be, but use that time for something else. At least that's how I think about it. So in terms yeah. of investing, it's the S&P 500 and myself. Yeah, I really like that um, because I've been on both sides. I, I mentored under a very successful day trader and you don't find those very often. And he was very transparent. He's actually a a, a tangible person that lives in my town instead of like mm. a deep discord Reddit server, you know? <laughs> so yeah. he was able to prove his success and it's been over a seven and a half year period. So the longevity is there and I, I got to learn, which again is a tangible skill. I got to be on that other end where the brain capital is very high. Your charts, your indicators, your, it's so much, it's so, so much. Mm. And, um, running a podcast, a gym, a cryptocurrency education company, like all this stuff, it just didn't work out. But I learned such a tangible skill of time in the market is going to beat anything. And uh, it really, really helped me reevaluate. And I mean, there's a few different ways. And I I have um, reoccurring investments in a lot of different ETFs. And in 2022, I've really tailored them more towards uh, mining materials, um, electric batteries, uh, EVs as, as a whole. I was an early investor in Tesla, but um, really getting into something that I don't have to worry as much. You know, it's not the worry of, is it going to crash? Because they're always going to have that. But the worry of, is this the best entry? Is this the best, you know, oh my gosh, Chris, it was, it's <laughs> so much. It's, uh, yeah. it's overbearing. Um, but uh yeah, I, I, I do um, a few different ways of getting in ETFs, but Acorns is one of them because it's my analytical mindset. I can have a very even dollar value and it takes my change and then I do reoccurring investments every week. But um, cool. do, do you, have you ever used Acorns, I'm guessing? Um, I'm uh, definitely familiar with Acorns, but yeah. I haven't used it myself. Um, it's yeah, interesting. It's not, it's not for me, but I, I, I know people love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What does... Uh, what does the next five years look like for Chris, man? Hmm. It's so funny because um, no matter what I say, like life is just wild, or or it is Very when you wild. sort of live it a, when you live it a certain way. Like I have had the um, I, one of the greatest things my parents ever gave me was a safety net, like you know a house to come back to if ever, if anything really just you know didn't work out, and that's what yeah. allowed me to take so many of these risks that I was able to do, like turn that's down really a job cool. so that I could go count cards, you know, like that's freaking crazy. That's first world stuff, you know? Um, and, and very middle-class, like, you know, mind you, I, it's standard public schools, all that. But, you know, I, I had a, you know, my, my parents are married. I had a, a home to come back to if I ever needed it. And it's still kind of like that, you know? So, um, so I'm not sort of worried about, I don't know. So, so that's a bit of a tangent, but like, yeah, I, I don't know. I've, I've just kind of tried to, um, follow my, not even necessarily so much my passions, but just like what I think is the next right move. Um, so and have conviction course, have, in that. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, exactly. Exactly. And, and faith has been a big part of my life too. And leaning on that to help me like make decisions, uh, particularly like, is it time to start pursuing this or, or let this go or whatever it might be. Um, so, but, but what I would love, I would love to, uh, Man, I, th- there's a handful of things. I would love to do more backpacking, right? This is totally not finance Very related, cool. but like, um, yeah, I love, uh, I'm just, just grazing the through hiking, you know, waters or, or land, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I just went on my first backpacking, um, 
a hiking trip with a buddy of mine uh, several months ago. We did a 20-something mile over wow. two-ish days. And I would love to do more of that on a, on a whole bunch more uh, you know, mountains. I would also love to just connect with more people who uh, are just loving life and, and are, are ambitious and really going after stuff. Like I can hear, I heard it. That's one of the reasons that I reached out to you is because as I heard you and your podcast, like you're getting after it and yeah. you work with people that are getting after it. And I love that. Um, you, you know, with internet and everything we have access to nowadays, it, it doesn't have to be just local to who you meet, you know, in, in a five mile radius of where you live. Like, you know, I would love to connect with even more folks just like yourself, hear about what's going on. You know, we'll hop on a call another time. I'm sure you're going to tell me all about, um, you know, your, your, the, the latest guns that you've bought yeah. and, you know, the ranges that you go to. And, you know, if you like to hunt, maybe, I don't know. So, mm-hmm. um, that's what I'd love to see you're doing it. the next you know, five years. You're yeah. doing it. You're doing a good job of it though. You know, like you, you just put yourself out there and say, Hey, I want to talk money. Like I want to, I, yeah. I just want to, uh, elevate our conversation. And this is, again, this is your time and my time, but it's, it's well spent. It's, uh, there's not a do- dollar of value that you had to pay me or I pay you, but we both learn. And there's, there's multiple things that I've learned that I've wrote down that I really love. And, uh, and like you asking your girlfriend, what's your perfect day, you know, like just these small yeah. little things, um, you said about hiking, dude, I have a cool experience. My wife and I, on our honeymoon, we went all over Europe. And uh, wow. we started in Germany, went down through Switzerland, down into Italy. But, uh, man, we got to do some hiking in Switzerland. And mm-hmm. it was outrageous. Outrageous. And uh, I also got to paraglide off of the Swiss Alps, oh, so off of a portion. Yeah. Of, oh, man. Very cool. And if you, I know it's a long ways away from where you're at, but um, just to kind of put a visual of a kind of where I grew up and like cool, cool hikes that you've done. Like I would love to hear them. Um, I'm pretty big into backpacking. And so we did cloud peak and bomber mountain, and those are in Wyoming. They're the largest peaks in Wyoming. It's just under 14,000 feet. And, uh, there's a cool story behind it. Bomber mountain in world war two, a bomber plane, came through and was going from Oregon, I think over to Nebraska and then out and it got, it lost its comms. It was in a bad storm and it actually slammed into the top of the mountain. And so you hike up this thing and there's plane parts everywhere and you, it, it is really, really cool. And it's like a two day or, um, a day and a half. We, we went eight miles the first day and then we went, we stayed the night packed all of our food and water. And then we went all the way up, which was another 10 and then back 10 and then back eight. It was, man, it was, but it's so worth it. Like, it's almost like a tattoo. I I have a lot of tattoos, but, uh, Mm -hmm. you, you love the tattoo. You love the process, but you forget how bad it hurts until you do it again. (laughs) That's the hiking, man. It's, it's definitely for sure. sure. Yeah. I, I, you know, I was on, sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. You're good. Go ahead. I was just thinking about how like my, uh, like my foot started really cramping up within the, like by the night of the first day, it was just, I, I'm not used to that kind of exercise. I'm not used to having like a 30 or 40 pound pack on me. And, um, and so it was rough for the, for the next, however, you know, 20 or, uh, I don't know how many miles we had left on the second and third morning, but yeah, I just in it though. I mean, starting out that second day, it's wet and everything. My foot hurts. I'm like, damn, this sucks. But, um, now I'm like, yeah, let's do it again. And yep. yeah, I know I like intellectually, I know that it hurt, but I don't feel that. And I'm just looking forward to getting back to it. Yeah. 100%, man. 100%. Chris, I really appreciate the time, man. Um, I'm going to head to some clients and this is really fun. I think we both took, um, a few things and I hope, I'm going to, I'm going to chop this up and kind of give some sound bites to people like, Hey, these are the, these are some of those tangible steps that you can take on both sides of the spectrum, man. So I, uh, I really, really do appreciate it. Where can, uh, where can people find you? Yeah. And I really appreciate you having me on Colby. Um, it's been great to talk to you, meet you and talk to you. Uh, people can find me. Um, I'm having fun on TikTok. I'm talking a whole lot about blackjack and stuff. So, uh, you can find me there and have some fun. If you want to reach out and connect, um, maybe do some financial coaching, 240-630-0568. Just shoot me a text. You know, either myself or my assistant will get back to you. And um, 
Yeah, that's probably the best way. Awesome. It's pretty crazy. Just you and I having uh, back and forth emails. I didn't, I didn't go searching for your name on TikTok. One of your videos popped up on my feed after you and I oh, wow. had exchanged emails. Very freaky. Oh, wow. Very freaky. So That's funny because I just started posting more on TikTok within the last week, really. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that's, that's wild. I was surprised because <laughs> I don't even think I gave you that TikTok name. Like I, I didn't really put nope. much on it until about a week ago. So, no, nope. yeah. I, I, I was just randomly scrolling and there it was. So. Yeah, having some fun on that. Yeah, exactly. Chris, I appreciate your time, man. Um, we will hopefully talk soon. And that is it for Next Level Radio. We will see you guys next week. Please reach out to Chris. Um, he has the the molecular level knowledge that can help you get to investing in yourself, investing in stuff. Like take the tangible steps today is what we always talk about. So have a good one, dog. I will talk to you guys later. Thank you.